0: I'm Good morning, Saturday morning labor and love. Linda R. is the B and you're listening to Labor and Love and yes, wake up, we're back in the USA we're back in the USA and yes, our president is, yes our president is Donald Trump, nothing you can do about it right now, you can do something about it on election day in November about 18 days away now go and turn the rascals out Vote for labor. Vote for workers. We've got a little bit of uh, election analysis. Prop eleven, I think, is the one we're going to talk about uh, today. But uh, in the weeks that come, we'll have a complete, a more complete analysis of the news from the point of view from of labor of people who work and the the uh, elections. We did start out today with a beautiful Samba Pati, Carlos Santana, of course. And then Rape of the World, which increasingly is becoming part of Labor's Project. If you take apart capitalism, you take apart the Rape of the Earth. The Rape of the Earth there that Oh, pardon me. The Rape of the Earth that Tracy was talking about. Okay? The, the mantra of capitalism is buy low, sell high. Where do you get things low? Where do you get things low? The Earth. The Earth gives them to you. The Earth grows things. The Earth provides things. And uh, we take it and use it without regard for how much of it is left or what it's doing to change the environment. That's what Tracy's referring to. The rape of the world. We are all witnessing right this moment, the rape of the world, right? We're back in the USA. (laughs) Linda Ronstadt with Chuck Berry's classic. Back in the USA. This is The B. good morning to you. My name is Bill Morgan, and this is Labor and Love Radio. Every Saturday morning we come out of 2781 21st Street with our live broadcast, and then our podcasts are saved on iTunes or at mutinyradio.fm slash podcast. A little more on that later. Labor and Love is the show where we tell you how it is. If one person gets a dollar they didn't work for, someone else worked for a dollar they didn't get. Okay. A dollar taken from one place is a dollar taken out of many others. Not to choose is to choose. Second, if you don't have a seat at the negotiating table where you work, You're on the menu. They're talking about you. They're talking about your labor. No, not about you. You, your wishes, lies, and dreams. Your poetry. They're talking about your life. The time of your life equals labor. Labor is the amount of work you have to do to survive. The problem is that that labor is someone else's labor. Someone else is trying to make a bunch of money. And they've got you working for a limited amount. And they take off part of what you produce. They take off part of your life. An hour, two hours of your life is to make them richer. Anyway, you're on the menu, right? And never but never let anyone into your heart who is not a friend of labor. It's a lot more than just what you think about the labor movement. It's about do you think people are good? Do you think people are capable of capable of cooperating and building a better world together and trusting each other? Do you believe that can be done? then you're probably out there trying to do it, right? On some level. At any rate, people's attitude towards work and labor and workers in their lives is a key part of their makeup. Never let anyone into your heart who is not a friend of labor. And then we always throw in and say, where the labor meets the road. We want to talk about ongoing campaigns and ideas, as well as the past. We want to bring the energy of the past that changed the world up to the now, up to the present. That's our project here on Labor and Love. Okay. What do we got? We all, we've got uh, radio labor, labor news from all around the world. We've got an update on a Kentucky pension st- uh, strike against reforming the pension. Reforming the pension always means smaller benefits, right? We've got news? Some news about teachers and about the strike here, local two. That's being joined all over the country from Hawaii to Boston against Marriott Hotels. Um, we've got this day in labor history. We've got some uh, Jack Kerouac today. Jack Kerouac. Culture knows no bounds, neither by time nor nation. And we've got a request—a request to end all requests. A little bit more of that later. This is a singer. This is a fine. Labor and love makes a fine. Sarah Ogan Gunning, Sarah Ogon Gunning from the coal company, the coal country of Kentucky. Kind of a rediscovered labor singer. Let's uh,
1: go down, let's go down, let's go down. Come on, friends, on and let's line. go down, down on the picket line. Yes, we went down on the picket line to keep the scabs out of the mine. Who's going to win the strike? Come on, and we'll show you the way. We went out one morning before daylight, and I was sure we'd have a fight, but the scabs was and ran away, but we went back the very next day. Come on, friends, and let's go down, let's go down, let's go down. Come on, friends, and let's go down, down on the picket line. As we went down on the picket line to keep the scabs out of the mine. Who's going to win the fight? Come on, and we'll show you the way. We all went out on the railroad track to meet them scabs and turn them back. We win that strike, I'm glad to say. Come on, and we'll show you the way.
0: Sarah O'Guyne Gunning. We'll, We'll read some more about her. I just wanted to play a couple of her songs. That was Down on the Picket Line. This one is called The Battle of Mill Spring.
2: Never compromise—not in your work, not
3: in
0: your hobbies, and never with your. Uh oh. Pardon me. Don't want any of that.
1: My age was but about sixteen when I joined the jolly band to march from San Antonio to the Rio Grande. My captain he commanded all, though he thought it right the. Before we reach that station, my boys will have to fight. I saw the jumping glances, I heard them give her yell. My feelings at that moment, no human tongue could tell. I thought of my old mother, who with tears to me did say, they all to you are strangers. You'd better stay away. Perhaps you have a mother, likewise a sister too, and maybe so a sweetheart to grieve and mourn for you. If this be your condition, although you like to roam i tell you by experience, you'd better stay at home. Go tell my little sister to not weep for me. Never again by the far side will I rock her on my knee. And never again will I sing to her those songs I used to sing. Her brother's lying, bleeding at the Battle of Mill-Spring. Go tell my aged father, 'Twas in death I prayed for him. I prayed that I might meet him in a world that had no end. I am my father's only son, my mother's only joy. She wept with tears of anger, O'er dying soldier boy. At the feast of Belsager and a thousand of his lords, as they drank from golden vessels as the book of truth records it was night as they rambled through the royal palace hall they were seized with fear and trembling with a hand on the wall was the hand of god on the wall It was the hand of God on the wall. Will your record be found wanting, or will you be found trusting, while the hand is writing on the wall? They could not read the writing, for God they never knew. And they sent for Prophet Daniel to tell him what to do. He told these naughty monarchs of all their many sins, and he told old Belsager, your rule is at an end. Twas a hand of God on the wall. Twas a hand of God on the wall. Will your record be found wanting, or will you be found trusting, while the hand is writing on the wall? See the brave Captain Daniel as he stood before the throne, and rebuke the naughty monarchs for their mighty deeds of wrong. It was night as they reveled through the royal palace hall. They were seized with condemnation with a hand on the wall. Twas the on the wall. It was the hand of God on the wall. It was a hand of God on the wall. Will your record be fan wanting or will you be fan trusting while the hand is writing on the wall?
2: This November is the most important election of our lifetime. And yes,
4: people say that every year. But this time, it's actually true. So Pot Save America is
2: heading out on the road. Florida, Texas, Pennsylvania, California. To talk to the candidates and activists and voters. It's a political conversation for anyone who's not ready to give up or go insane.
5: So much is at stake. If this isn't who we are, it's time to prove it now.
0: okay we had some that was a that was from an outfit it's called the podcast for America you can check that out how important it is that everyone votes Sarah Ogan gunning okay played some songs of hers it's kind of a discovery of I made of uh, this woman Uh... She was born in Knox County, Kentucky. Her father was a coal miner. And uh, she got married when she was 15 to a 20 year old guy from Tennessee who had come to work work in the mines. They eloped and they had, uh, Sarah had several children, but All this time she was working. She was a a folk singer, sort of overshadowed by an older aunt, I believe, or cousin. Many miners responded to the retreat of the United Miners, that's in the the early 30s, by joining the communist-led National Miners Union. This is in the hills of Kentucky, Tennessee, coal country, West Virginia. Um, they had to leave the state. Uh, they moved to New York City and with the assistance of a folklorist there, they sort of got into the folk revival there. Woody Guthrie, Pete Seeger, Burr Lives, Judy Ledbetter, Earl Robinson, Josh White. But her husband, her husband had TB, so she had to go back to uh, Kentucky to take care of him. She recorded a dozen songs with uh, Alan Lomax, the fi- the famous folklorist, and um, during the thirties, one of the well-known songs she wrote around 1936, "I Am a Girl of Constant Sorrow," sort of a uh, talking about the life of a coal miner's wife. Her song was recorded by Peggy Seeger and Barbara Dane. Um, She moved to Detroit in the 50s and um, actually did a few things. Did a show on uh, radio, WDET, uh, on behalf of the United Arab Workers Solidarity House. Her album Girl of Constant Sorrow was issued in 1965. She sang at the Newport Folk Festival and uh, folk festival in Chicago, University of Chicago Folk Festival in 1965. Died in uh, the 1960s. Sarah Ogun Gunning. Let's see the eyes kind of a, a rediscovered voice I'm here. Getting back away from all this trouble. <sighs> Smooth the road. Smooth okay. The road.
6: No details.
0: Let's talk about. I had No details. Mr. Trump uh, and the question that addressed you know that uh, AJ Plus's news broke by Francesca Fiorentini. Maybe it's Francesca. Having the name Francesca makes you want to uh, have a a TV show and talk about uh, social justice. Why are People dedicated to this man who on the face of it is a great sinner who doesn't who isn't seeking redemption he never he's very arrogant and thinks that everything he does is good and correct he'll tell you so if you listen if you listen so why does the religious right worship
7: are these Christians and why do they stick with him While many wait on Trump's staffers or ranking Republicans to break with the alt-president, there's a group of loyal Trumpists you'd think would be more positioned to jump ship on his morally bankrupt leadership, the religious right. But believe it or not, Trump got 81% of the white evangelical vote, and as of April, 78% of them still supported the president. And that support is odd, considering Trump only ever mentions the Bible when also trying to sell his own book, The Art of the Deal, which according to him is...
2: my second favorite book of all time. What's my first favorite book? The
7: Bible. Unfortunately, the Bible isn't 20% off at Amazon.com right now with a new forward from Kellyanne Conway, also new glossy pictures. Ooh, there's my gam gam. That's a building. (laughs) (laughs) But the religious right has consistently given Trump a pass. During the 2016 election, one top evangelical leader, James Dobson, swept candidate Trump's mountain of immoral behavior under a mountain-sized rug when he said Trump wasn't a bad Christian, simply a quote, baby Christian.
8: He's a baby Christian. Mm -hmm. We all need to be praying for him.
7: Baby Christian? That sounds like born-again Christian gone wrong. The good news is he's accepted Jesus as his personal Lord and Savior. The bad
9: news is he
7: still sits his pants. And sure, there were many Christian leaders who didn't endorse Trump during his candidacy, but when he won, some quickly got on board, like famous evangelist Franklin Graham, who told The Atlantic, quote, Trump offended gays, he offended women, he offended the military, he offended black people, he offended the Hispanic people, he offended everybody, and he became president of the United States. Only God could do that. But isn't God supposed to be loving? Why would God condone someone who hatefully offends everyone, unless, Vladimir Putin has God's p tape, doesn't he? Maybe evangelicals accepted Trump as their political lord and savior so that they could eventually be part of his evangelical advisory board, the group of 25 faith leaders that advise the president, chat with him weekly, and pray.
2: So today we pray for Donald Trump, Yes. yes. we pray for his family, we yes. pray for his, his associates.
7: We also pray, Lord, that he stops making the duck face every single prayer. Oh, God, if you could find a way to his disgusting little mouth and make it a little less disgusting, we would be forever humbled in thy name. Amen. 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 But this faith council does more than just pray. It acts as the administration's defense on pretty much every political decision. After Trump's first travel ban, Graham justified it by saying
5: the Bible didn't say so. Speaking in support of the president, Franklin Graham says, quote, it's not a biblical command for the country to let everyone in who wants to come. That's not a Bible issue.
7: He's right. It's not a Bible issue. It's a moral issue. But I get it. Since when did the Bible deal with morals? You want a Bible issue? Ask Pastor Robert Jeffries, also on the Faith Council, about North Korea. I believe the Bible, especially Romans 13, does give President Trump moral authority to use whatever force necessary, including assassination or even war, to topple an evil
3: dictator like Kim Jong-un.
7: What? And as crazy as that sounds, Romans 13 does state very clearly that whoever rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted. Except of course if said authority is black. I'm not saying President Obama is the Antichrist, but I believe he is conditioning people to accept governmental overreach. Also on the council is Trump's closest spiritual advisor, Paula White, a twice-divorced Florida-based televangelist who preaches that God rewards faithful Christians with material wealth and encourages her followers to give her as much money as they can, promising it will get God's attention. Oh, and her first church went bankrupt in 2014 after defaulting on $29 million in loans. Essentially, Paula White is the Donald Trump of Christianity. Oh, they're soulless mates. Fun fact, White's third marriage is to a guy who was the keyboard player of Journey and wrote the song Don't Stop Believin'. And if you ever thought that song was at all inspirational, know that in Trump's America, Don't Stop Believin' is an order. White also recently said that if you go against the president, you go against God. God says that he raises up and places all people in places of authority. Mm -hmm. It is God that raises up a king. It is God that sets one down. And so when you fight against the plan of God, you're fighting against the hand of God. That itty bitty hand of God, the image in which he made his king. And then there was arguably the administration's most indefensible controversy to date, Trump's excuse of neo-Nazi groups in Charlottesville. While many religious leaders all over the country protested the president's comments, some of the Evangelical Advisory Board members, including Jerry Falwell Jr., defended him. In fact, only one representative stepped down in protest. But meanwhile, Trump's business councils disbanded over the same remarks. That means the CEOs of corporate America have stronger morals than this country's Christian leaders. And that really speaks to the importance Importance of having an HR department. Evangelicals might answer to God, but CEOs answer to Cheryl. And when it comes to Nazis, Cheryl does not f*** around. The question that still remains, though, is why? Why do these purported Christians stick around and keep defending a lusting, gluttonous, greedy, sloth-like, wrath-filled, envious, prideful, is that all the seven deadly sins? Anyway, that guy, it's because they want something in return. They want their fundamentalist president to implement their fundamentalist agenda. Now that ultra-conservative Gorsuch is in the Supreme Court and Trump has nominated another 55 conservatives to federal judicial positions, they'll want an overturn of Roe v. Wade, Same marriage and hey maybe rewrite the tax code to make swindling the working class on TV prayer shows even more lucrative and all they have to do is keep pretending Trump is their second favorite savior thanks for watching everybody please remember to subscribe right now and also let us know in the comments what you think a true Christian would do in the face of a Donald Trump presidency and or what your favorite retrograde passage of the Bible is you know if you're into atheism and stuff anyway bye
0: Okay, uh, Francesca Fiorentini. uh, Why does the religious right worship a sinner? Uh, An open question. Of course, the answer is that he represents them uh, culturally. And all those people who say they are Christians uh, in order to Worship a man like this? I mean, it's, got, it's worship. It's It's faith. Trump is a faith leader. A lot of his backers don't care about, you know, what he said five years ago or what he said yesterday and walked back on today or who he slept with or what he did anything with. They care about... His representation as a cultural figure, like William Jennings Bryan. Bryan, of course, was a man of conscience. Trump is not, but the attraction is the same. Uh, Huey Long is another Trump-like figure. Um, Huey Long, the governor of Louis- and a senator from the state of Louisiana, who controlled. The politics in that area and used a lot of uh, vicious tactics to do it. Nothing that hadn't been done before <laughs> in uh, politics but he did it with swagger and uh, he did it with a gigantic ego. Finally he was assassinated I think by a An angry husband of of a woman that uh, Huey Longhead meddled with. All right, let's hear some music. Uh, Hand of God on the Wall, Trump and Sinners. Let's look at that. Okay, we'll get some music in a minute, but let's look at the labor beat this week. Uh, Republicans on rape. Women should make the best of a bad situation. If a woman has an abortion, why shouldn't a man be allowed to use his strength on her? Rape is kind of like the weather. It's inevitable. Relax and enjoy it. In an emergency room where they have rape kits, women get cleaned out. Even when life begins in that horrible situation of rape, it's something that God intended to happen. (laughs) Yes, as long as it's not happening to you and uh, you've got the world set up so it won't happen to you. We talked about the pay raise at Amazon. that turned out not to be a pay raise at all. This is about... Uh, pension reform in on um, Socialist Worker. Pension reform, pension theft—that is, we're talking uh, a little earlier this month. Moving out the pension cutters from the SocialistWorker.org. A caravan of 14 U-Haul trucks led by an International Brotherhood of Teamsters driven semi-truck rolled through the streets of Frankfurt, Kentucky to the state capitol steps on October 5th, followed by a rally in front of the capitol to protest pension reform, quote-unquote. The Votamount move amount was mount was organized by the Jefferson County Association of Educational Support Personnel, AFSCME Local 4011. A protest against the, an attempt by the state legislature in the middle of the night last March to sneak through pension legislation attached to State Bill 151 a waste management bill. The attached amendment would have placed new state employees and teachers in a new pension plan. The current state pension plan works like social security. It depends on not just the contribution current retirees made while they were active employees, but the contributions of current as well as future employees. Taking new employees out of this plan would have led to the eventual collapse of the state retirement fund, unless the state severely cut current and future retirees' pensions. Since Kentucky teachers and state employers do not pay into the Social Security system and do not receive Social Security retirement benefits, the preservation of the state pension fund is key. Attorney General Andy Bashir sued to block the plan, and a judge declared the bill unconstitutional in June. Now teachers and state employees are fighting to keep a, few, a new version of the legislation from being
4: passed.
0: Okay, one of the real battlegrounds in uh, current labor management relations one, of course, is health care, probably the main one, is health care as people wake up to the reality that they should have health care, they need health care. And it's a right that they, they should have. That's why, and the other is, of course, is wages. an hour, this is what everyone's fighting for? Is that a living wage? Could you live on that here in San Francisco or anywhere in the Bay Area? Let's say you work a 40-hour week. $15 an hour is 120 a day. Times five is uh, 600 a month, maybe a little more. Could you live on that? 120 a day times five, 600 a week 2,400 a a month. Could you live on that? Maybe one person could if they were pretty careful about how they spent their money. But a family? Come on, you know, even a married couple, I had a niece, a uh, granddaughter, looking for a house. Looking for a house in Pacifica. Uh, one bedroom, $2,000. And that was a good deal. $2,000. Uh, people talk about family values. How poverty warps family values how poverty warps everything. That's why people want higher wages (laughs) so they can live. There's a a gang leader, alleged gang leader, who was uh, sent to El Salvador and uh, I think was born in El Salvador, went to L.A., came back and headed up one of the big gangs in El Salvador, and he was asked by reporter what's the cause of gang violence what's the cause of all this and he said la la pobreza la pobreza la pobreza poverty 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 how right he is and we might as well talk about education too that's another thing people are demanding at any rate The battle lines are drawn. They want your pension. Uh, They want you to work cheaper. They want you never to get sick, so you don't need a health plan. But if you do need a health plan, they don't want... They want to give you the cheapest, crappiest one they can. So all these, this is where the battle lines are drawn. Retired teacher Sue Ellen Caldwell showed her first paycheck from 1971 with a deduction for retirement. That deduction was on every check she received over her years of teaching. A message to Governor Matt Bevan and the legislature was, I paid for my retirement, and it belongs to me, not to the state. See? How did they ever get control of our pension anyway? How did our employers get control of our pensions? Okay. Let's see what else we got. This is This is something I want to play. This is a request. And it's... um, It's about a band called St. Paul and the Broken Bones. And I want to look up and see if we can find out a little about them. They're from the South. And it's a... uh, A soul band, let's see, St. Paul and the Broken Bones, is an American AP soul band based in Birmingham, Alabama, United States, that formed in 2012. The band is composed of, and it gives the names uh, of the various band members. They have released three albums and two EPs while touring internationally. A vocalist and the bassist met in the mid-2000s while playing Birmingham as part of an alternative soul outfit, The Secret Dangers. The two began working around, working together. Uh, they rec- in 2013 they recorded a full-length album, Half the City. Um, so, they're a-, a band that's active, and I want to play one of their songs. I got a request from uh, Mr. E. J. Coleman. I hadn't heard of this band. And I got a request this morning. We're going to hear him. This is first time. Today you heard Sarah, Sarah Algon. And you're going to hear St. Paul and the Broken Bones. This is for you, Earl. Very nice. Very tight. Let's take a look at the lyrics. It's called Got It Bad by St. Paul and the Broken Bones. Southern pack at the southern green, everybody telling that southern thing, but we can't go. No petals in the pine with the hollow teeth, screaming hallelujah from the factories but we can't know. Caught four devils at the maker phones, telling all the saints that they were wrong, but they can't know. Choking on the smoke inside their lungs, screaming for the mercy of the burning ones, but I know it's too late. Preacher of the elastic, how can we let it go and go and go? Love is full of mercury, And now we can lose control, control, control. Gun-shaped bottle and a loaded tongue. Jesus ain't the problem, but he started one. He don't understand. Black Veil preacher of the city malls, hiding in the bushes because he likes the muse. I don't understand it. Southern pack of the Southern green, everybody's Selling that southern thing but I can't go, oh no where are we going we're lost, I can't tell you the cost for the continental fruit toast okay so it's got it bad as kind of a protest against elastic preachers preachers whose Christianity is like the one we just heard on Francesca's show, um, Mr. Trump is a baby Christian. Don't you get tired of seeing these big flashy preachers with their suits, shiny suits, coming out and saying, well, in order to be saved, you've got to fall. In other words, do whatever you want, (laughs) and we'll make it okay for you. Okay. There's a lot of talk now about Social Security. In fact, we just talked about a situation where the workers. teachers don't have social security that was my case too as a teacher we never had social security uh, until very late and I can't remember the exact reason um, at any rate this is Robert Reich who's a professor was secretary of labor now is a professor at U- at Berkeley and uh, kind of a theorist <clears throat> Of uh liberal left wing they're not socialists, but uh here's what Reich writes um, Republicans like to make a big stir, a big alarm about social security and Medicare that we're spending too much money on ourselves. <coughs> <coughs> Hey, working people, you're taking too much of the money. How are we going to keep getting richer? And how's a junior whose manhood depends on his getting rich like the rest of his relatives? I mean, that's important, right? He's got to have a chance to get rich. So working people, you're taking too much of the money. What you want? You want Social Security? You want you want to be supported after you retire? Whoa. It's your money, you say? You put the money in for it yourself? <laughs> well, you know, we're going to use it. We're going to use it to make more for ourselves. Here's the article. Republicans would love to get rid of Social Security and Medicare. Medicare. But they can't because Social Security and Medicare are among the most popular of all federal programs. Besides, most Americans have been paying into them their whole working lives and depend on them. So how will Republicans attempt to end these programs by doing nothing to save them? The trustees for Medicare and Social Security say Medicare will run out of money by 2026 and Social Security will run out by 2034. That doesn't have to be the case. Here are the easy fixes for Social Security and Medicare. Now, when you're arguing with somebody about this, remember these things, okay? Right kind of functions as a, you know, an argue advisor. First, raise the cap income on subject to Social Security payroll taxes. Can you believe it? For every dollar you make over 120, not you, every dollar they make over 128,400 isn't taxed by Social Security. So somebody who makes $15 million pays Social Security taxes on just 128,400 of his or her income. While a typical nurse practitioner who might take home around a hundred thousand pays Social Security taxes on every dollar of his or her income. You want to know where inequality comes from? There it is, right there. Raise that cap, double it, make them pay, you know, up to a million dollars, up to a billion, you know, come on. To help rein in Medicare costs, allow the government to use its huge bargaining power to negotiate lower drug prices. Why doesn't the government do this anyway? Big Pharma has gotten legislation barring the government from negotiating lower drug prices. No, we don't want you to negotiate. We want to set the price. We'll just set the price. That legislation should be repealed. And of course, big pharma is going to scream and say they don't have enough money to spend on research. They already spend more on advertising, marketing, and lobbying than they do on research. Third, allow young immigrants to come into the U.S. The basic reason why Social Security and Medicare are running out of money is the American population continues to age and live longer, leaving a relatively smaller working population to pay into Social Security and Medicare. What to do? Allow in more young immigrants. Immigrants and their children are the fastest-growing segment of the working population already contributing billions in payroll taxes every year. Instead of shooting, shutting immigrants out, allow more into the country. That will help secure the future of Social Security and Medicare. It isn't rocket science. Raise the cap, negotiate drug prices, and allow more immigrants in. Do these three things and you won't have to worry about Social Security and Medicare not being there when you need it. Okay, remember that. When you hear somebody talking about entitlements. I heard the Sandman this morning talking about entitlement. Social Security is an entitlement? No, Social Security is a contract. You put your money in, you paid into it. Your government has told you that if you do that, you will get income at a certain amount. That's a contract. Medicare, we talked about this before. People need health care. The costs of health care are already gone through the roof, but, you know, that's between them. They want to, you know, bid the prices up. But people need to be cared for everybody all of us do and the problem of course is that those with enough money don't have to worry about they don't have to worry about higher wages about retirement they don't have to worry about hospitalization They don't have to worry about their families having enough to eat okay Social Security and Medicare, the three things that, okay, let's see. I don't think we've had Radio Labor, had we, okay? The Radio Labor World Report, Every every week we bring you the World Report from Radio Labor. Here we go.
10: This is Solidarity News on Radio Labour.
2: This is a Radio Labour report recorded on Friday, October nineteenth, 2018. I'm Mark Boulanger. In the report this week, 2,500 union leaders are meeting in Singapore at the Global Congress of the International Transport Workers Federation. The World Body for Labor aims to organize millions more into unions. The Labor Start report about union events around the world and singing, You Knew Grandpa, You Knew. This is Radio Labor.
5: I say union, you say power. Union! Stand up! I say union, you say power! Union! Union! Stand up! Find your voice! I say union! You say power! Union!
2: That is Paddy Crumlin, the president of the International Transport Workers Federation. The ITF is holding its 44th Congress in Singapore, October 14th to 20th. The federation created in 1896 represents 20 million workers who are members of 670 unions in 140 countries. They are seafarers, dockers and rail workers. They work in road and urban transport, fisheries, inland navigation and tourism. Mr. Crumlin.
5: Trade unionism is one of the vehicles for genuine democracy, wealth creation and wealth redistribution and it's not a model with a singular answer. There is as much answers as there is in the diversity of our family, in our gender, in our cultures, in our ethnicity and in our ages. The thing about the ITF is it brings people together on the basis of redistribution and fairness and peace and functionality in a world that is looking for political leadership, spiritual leadership and a values-driven resurgence. At a time when there's nothing more critical with global warming, with the redistribution of the wealth polarised around economic and commercial elites, with the failure of the political process and the determination by people all over the world of no trust in their political leaderships, we stand together in a way that our diversity makes things happen. We're proud about who we are. We're proud about our differences. Our differences bring us together. We are speaking about an ability to engage in our mutual interests in a way that human beings and humanity can have succour and a willingness and an affirmation where aspirations can be rewarded where we can be combined by our diversity and not the things that keep us apart? That we're creating a world for the many and just not the few? What a wonderful thing. What a wonderful achievement. What an aspiration and a determination that we can change the world. You can change the world. We can change the world. The ITF can change the world.
2: If the world is going to address the major issues facing it, more and more workers will need to organize themselves into labor unions. That's the message Sharon Burrell, the General Secretary of the International Trade Union Confederation, conveyed to delegates attending the Congress of the International Transport Workers Federation in Singapore. The ITUC is the global body which represents national labour centres such as the AFL-CIO in the United States and the Ghana Trades Union in Congress. Ms. Burrow,
11: We need a new social contract. We need to change the rules to see that slavery is eliminated, that informal work is formalised, that universal social protection is guaranteed with minimum living wages, collective bargaining and safe work across the world for all workers, that's the foundations of a new social contract for the rest of the century. Our unions are on the front line fighting for a just world. Peace with more and more conflicts every day and a military spend greater than World War II, this is offensive to us. Democracy in the face of increasing authoritarianism and dictatorship, in fact We are sadly lacking the progressive, thoughtful, inclusive political leadership that we need around the world, and we must fight to bring it back. Human and labour rights in the face of corporate greed. Living wages and inequality in a world that's three times richer than it was just 20 years ago, but with all the profits going to the 1%. That's not on, not on our watch. And of course, universal social protection where our brothers and sisters and their family have nothing, no security. Gender equality, marriage equality, fights against racism and xenophobia promoted by the extreme right and against the mindless privatisation the corporate world is driving in their own interest in a context with few governments that we can trust. This is a big set of challenges. There's a consequent The global workforce is in trouble with the majority of people in insecure, unsafe and indeed low paid work. We know that this model of globalization hasn't only failed working people, it's failing the economy. The IMF, the OECD, the ILO, their research confirms inequality is real and it's a global economic risk as well. Even multilateralism is in trouble as a result of the unfettered power of traditional corporations now joined by digital businesses. When some of our CEOs are calling for new capitalism, whatever that means in terms of negotiating a settlement, we're on that train. The global rules of the economy must change. When you see digital businesses now joining to break down direct employment, it all must change. We have a simple message. Neoliberalism is over. When the greed and the savagery of the combination of the mega rich and fascism of the far right converge, their only power is if we let them drive the fear amongst working people and their families that they seek to do. When we turn on each other, brothers and sisters, we actually lose our own humanity. And our shared values, our shared values, stand as a bulwark against this evil. And that's why I know we will win. Organising the power of workers to change the rules. Organising, 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 change the rules.
2: Here with his report about union events around the world is Labor Start correspondent Derek Blackadder, who is traveling in Spain.
4: Here's a tiny sample of the hundreds of news stories in 31 languages added to our site each day last week. Our top stories section included links to coverage of the response from journalists' unions around the world, to allegations that Saudi intelligence murdered a critical journalist in Turkey, the threat of the death penalty faced by striking Iranian truckers, and the announcement that the nominations for the 2019 Arthur Svensson Prize are now open. We have news of strikes and lockouts in dozens of countries. Here are just a few highlights. Garment workers in Myanmar continued their walkout despite attacks by thugs wielding steel pipes. Finnish unions triggered the first of a planned series of strikes over proposed legislation that would make it easier to fire workers in small enterprises as 10,000 municipal workers stopped work for two days. Guides and maintenance workers at the Acropolis, the iconic Greek monument, stopped work for a day to protest privatization plans. Plastic sector workers were off the job across South Africa as their union pushed for a wage increase. The Marriott hotel strike continued to spread across the United States. An estimated 80,000 taxi drivers parked their cars and joined a rally to protest new regulations that would facilitate the introduction of ride hailing services in South Korea. And construction workers in Switzerland downed tools in a struggle over a wide range of workplace issues ranging from wages to job security to safety on the job. Our top working women's stories included coverage of the strike against the gender pay gap in Scotland, the hotel workers who described their working conditions as hellish because of continuous sexual harassment from managers and customers in the United States, and a global study that shows how workplace protections against domestic violence can make the lives of women workers much safer. The free health and safety newswire we offer in cooperation with Hazards Magazine carried stories to hundreds of union websites around the world about the ongoing struggle for workplace safety at the new Istanbul airport, where dozens of workers have already died, and the start of a reform of the industrial manslaughter laws in Australia. Currently, Labor Start is running three online actions. Take just a few seconds out of your day and join thousands of trade unions around the world in helping workers make their lives better, or even help save those lives. This is Derek Blackadder from LaborStart, reporting for Radio Labor.
2: Now here singing about climate change from their loft in 2020 is Australia's Victorian Trade Union Choir, You Knew Grandpa, You Knew.
12: Now hear a song from 2020 Now
6: global warming isn't new The years you wasted were too plenty You left the problem up to who
12: You knew our world would be in trouble As your emissions grew and grew You said it's only froth and bubble But
3: You knew Grandma, you knew Grandma, so tell, tell me what, me did what you. Did you do? Now hear a song from 23rd,
12: Shows a funny way to love some
3: flowers to leave, leave a greenhouse warming
12: brew.
3: You knew, Grandpa, you knew, Grandpa.
12: So tell
3: me, what did you tell me what you do? You knew, Grandma, you knew, Grandma. So
12: tell me, what
3: did you do? Now hear a song from
12: 2014. Sing it and listen. to View, that you
11: were selfish and were naughty, to leave a world in such a
12: skew. You knew the temperature was rising, you hoped that if I stop at two.
11: it's more, and so it's not surprising, surprising,
3: that we can put the blame on you. You knew grandpa,
12: you knew grandpa, so tell me what did
3: you tell me what you do You knew grandpa, you knew
13: grandpa, so tell me what did you do You, do. you, do. you, you knew, knew. So knew. this hole, hole was not hole the, hole. the future clean
3: gas
11: and oxymoron too You had a lovely life to suit ya and now
12: whoa, you knew you really couldn't hack
3: it to make the change when it was due And now it's on the cost a packet To fix what you neglected to You knew Grandpa, you knew Grandpa's so hotel Tell me what you do. You knew grandpa, you knew grandpa. So
12: tell me what did you, did you do
2: And that's it international labor news you can use. You can find more labor news on our website at www.radiolabor.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Labor. I'm Mark Belanger. Thank you for listening. And remember, it's all about global solidarity.
0: Global Solidarity, uh, we knew that's absolutely true. We did know. And what did we do? Love Kurt Vonnegut. Um, Kurt Vonnegut said, we could have saved the earth, but we were too damn cheap. (laughs) The rich are too damn cheap. They're too busy getting rich and making money To care about the rape of the earth? What do they care? They can live in gated communities where uh, the raging, hungry mobs won't get at them. At least that's what they think. Okay, I want to play some poetry now. A beautiful poem by Jack Kerouac about a working man's life in San Francisco. This would be early 50s or so when Kerouac lived in a... uh, Hotel south of Market and uh, worked on the railroad. October in the railroad earth. Steve Allen on PN.
14: There was a little alley in San Francisco, back of the Southern Pacific Station at 3rd and Townsend. In red brick of drowsy, lazy afternoons with everybody at work and offices, in the air you feel the impending rush of their commuter frenzy, as soon they'll be charging en masse for market and Sansom buildings on foot and in buses and all well-dressed through working-man frisco of walk-up truck drivers. And even the poor grime be marked third street of lost bums, even Negroes so hopeless and long left east and meanings of responsibility and try that now all they do is stand there spitting in the broken glass, sometimes 50 in one afternoon against one wall at 3rd and Howard. Here's all these milbrae and San Carlos, neat necktied producers and commuters of America and steel civilization, rushing by with San Francisco Chronicles and green call bulletins, not even enough time to be disdainful. They've got to catch 130, 132, 134, 136, all the way up to 146 the time of evening supper in homes of the railroad earth, when high in the sky the magic stars ride above the following hotshot freight trains. It's all in California, it's all a sea. I swim out of it in afternoons of sun-hot meditation in my jeans with head on handkerchief, on brakeman's lantern, or if not working, on book. I look up at blue sky of perfect lost purity, and feel the warp of wood of old America beneath me. And I have insane conversations with Negroes in second-story windows, above, and everything is pouring in. The switching moves of boxcars in that little alley, which is so much like the alleys of Lowell, and I hear far off in the sense of coming night that engine calling our mountains. But it was that beautiful cut of clouds I could always see above the little SP alley, puffs floating by from Oakland, or the gate of Marin, to the north or San Jose South. The clarity of Cal to break your heart. It was the fantastic drows and drum hum of lum mum afternoon, nothing to do. Old Frisco with end-of-land sadness. The people, the alley full of trucks and cars of businesses nearabouts. Nobody knew or far from cared who I was all my life. 3,500 miles from birth all opened up and at last belonged to me in great America. And now it's night in Third Street. The keen little neons and also yellow bulb lights of impossible to believe flops The dark ruined shadows moving back of torn yellow shades like a degenerate China with no money. The cat's in Annie's alley, the flop comes on, moans, rolls, the street is loaded with darkness. Blue sky above with stars hanging high over old hotel roofs and blowers of hotels moaning out dusts of interior. The grime inside the word in mouths is falling out tooth by tooth. The reading rooms, tick-tock, big clock, with creek chair and slant boards and old faces looking up over rimless spectacles bought in some West Virginia or Florida or Liverpool, England pawn shop long before I was born. And across rains, they've come to the end of the land, sadness, end of the world, gladness. All your San Francisco will have to fall eventually and burn again, but I'm walking and one night bum fell into the hole of the construction job where they're tearing a sewer by day. The husky Pacific and electric youths in torn jeans who work there, often I think of going up to some of them like, say, blonde ones with wild hair and torn shirts and they say, you ought to apply for the railroad. It's much easier work. You don't stand around the street all day and you get much more pay. But this bum fell in the hole. You saw his foot stick out. British MG, also driven by some eccentric, once backed into that hole, and as I came home from a long Saturday afternoon local the Hollister, out of San Jose, miles away across verdurous fields of prune and juice joy, here's this British MG backed, and legs up, wheels up into a pit, and bums and cops standing right outside the coffee shop. It was the way they fenced it, but he never had the nerve to do it, due to the fact that he had no money and nowhere to go, and no, oh, his father was dead, and no, oh, his mother was dead, and no, oh, his sister was dead, and no, oh, his whereabout was dead, was dead. But then, at that time also, I used to lay in my room on long Saturday afternoons listening to Jumpin' George with my fifth tokay, no tea, and just under the sheets, laugh to hear the crazy music, Mama, he treats your daughter mean, Mama, Papa, don't you come in here, I'll kill you, etc., getting high by myself in room glooms, and all wondrous knowing about the Negro, the essential American, out there, always finding his solace, his meaning in the Fellaheen street and not an abstract morality. And even when he has a church, you see the pastor out front bowing to the ladies on the make. You hear his great vibrant voice on the Sunday afternoon sidewalk full of sexual vibratos saying, why, yes, ma'am, but the gospel do say that man was born of woman's womb. (laughs) No, and so, by that time, I come crawling out of my warm sack and hit the street when I see the railroad ain't going to call me till 5 a.m. Sunday morning, probably for a local out of Bay Shore, in fact, always for a local out of Bay Shore, And I go to the whale bar of all the wild bars in the world, the one and only Third and Howard. And there I go in and drink with the madmen, and if I get drunk, I get... The girl who come up to me in there one night, I was there with Al Buckle, said to me, You want to play with me tonight, Jim? And I didn't think I... <laughs> I didn't think I had enough money. And I told this to Charlie Lowe, and he laughed said, How do you know she wanted money? Always take the chance that she might be out just for love, or just out for love, you know what I mean. Don't be a sucker. She was a good-looking doll, and she said, how would you like to oo cool with me, mon? And I stood there, like a jerk. In fact, bought drink, got drink drunk that night, and in the 299 Club, I was hit by the proprietor, the band breaking up the fight, before I had a chance to decide to hit him back, which I didn't want to do anyway. And out on the street, I tried to rush back in, but they had locked the door and were looking at me through the forbidden glass in the door with faces like undersea. I should have played with her. Okay,
0: October in the Railroad Earth. Steve Allen on piano, and Jack Kerouac, of course, reading his own poem. Marriott workers' strike spanning seven time zones. 7,000 hotel workers across the U.S. are on strike against Marriott, the Zen Labor Notes, the world's largest hotel chain. A strike that started with seven hotels in Boston quickly spread to San Francisco, San Diego, San Jose, Oakland, Detroit, and Hawaii. Marriott's profits have doubled in five years. In 2016, the hotel chain expanded its empire when it acquired Starwood's 1,200 properties, including the Weston and Sheraton hotel chain. Sales last year totaled $23 billion, yet workers say they haven't seen it in their paychecks or benefits. Many are working two jobs to make ends meet. Rising housing costs have also forced many to live far from the cities where they work. Unite here, locals in different reason, regions are negotiating separately but rallying around a common slogan. One job should be enough. Yeah, I work a job. Yeah, yeah, I work. This isn't about people not wanting to work, it's about people not wanting to kill themselves, people not wanting to overwork. Rising housing costs have also forced many to live far from the cities they work in. I can't drive two and a half hours each way, says Courtney Leonard, who works at the Western Boston waterfront. It's awful. I'm 28, newly married, and I feel like my life is on hold. Two and a half hours each way to get to work. Fifteen hundred Marriott employees at seven hotels launched the first hostel strike in Boston's history on October third. Okay, let's keep in touch with that one. That says of, of October nineteenth. If you see the picket line and you've got a minute, honk your horn. Let them know you're with them. Okay, take them some water. Right. Go and stand there. Go and walk with them. Marriott Workers Strike. Now there's a lot of talk about voter suppression, right? How do voter ID laws keep people from voting? This is from Francesca on Decoded, the Decoded Francesca.
10: In case you haven't noticed, the presidential election is almost here. Soon, everybody can go to the polls and cast their ballots to decide the fate of America. Well, almost everybody. Since 2008, 10 states have successfully implemented strict voter ID laws that are meant to prevent voter fraud, but in reality, make it harder for a lot of people to vote. Three of them make you show either a photo ID, like a driver's license, or non-photo ID, like a bill with your name on it, before you can vote at the polls. The other seven will only let you you vote if you have a photo ID. So depending on where you live, what you need to do to vote in our national election can be totally different. America! So why have these laws popped up recently? Well, in theory, they prevent voters from impersonating someone else. That way, we can all feel confident in the accuracy of the election process without worrying that some kid is sneaking into the polls wearing mustache glasses. Yo, 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 fake IDs, vote twice! But here's the thing. The kind of fraud voter ID laws claim to prevent practically never happens. In fact, a report concluded that voter impersonation is rarer than being struck by lightning. Even FoxNews.com reported that this kind of voter fraud rarely happens. Wait, did I just agree with Fox News? Oh my god! So why even bother having voter ID laws at all? Mmm, good old-fashioned voter suppression with a dash of racism and classism for good measure. Requiring voters to have ID seems like a harmless precaution until you realize the majority of people lacking ID are either elderly, poor, and aren't white. And frequently, they're all three. Statistically, African-American and Latinx voters are much less likely than white voters to have the qualifying IDs required by states with voter ID laws. They're also disproportionately likely to be low income. Even when a state offers free photo ID, these residents may not be able to afford the underlying documents, transportation, or time required to get one. Many Republicans pushing for voter ID claim the laws have nothing to do with race or class. But in 2013, North Carolina County Precinct GOP Chair Don Yelton told The Daily Show that if the state's new voter ID rule hurts a bunch of lazy blacks who just want the government to give them everything, so be it. Tell us how you really feel, Don. And speaking of North Carolina, they passed a law that imposed strict photo ID requirements on voters, in addition to ending voter registration outreach programs that historically increased black voter turnout. Thankfully, this past July, a federal appeals court actually struck down North Carolina's voter ID laws claiming they targeted African Americans with almost surgical precision. See, voter ID laws are a classic example of structural racism, which is what makes racism different from prejudice. Prejudice is the individual dislike of a class of people based on a superficial characteristic or stereotype. Racism is racial prejudice plus structural oppression and power that negatively impacts a group. Structural racism often exists in the form of policies or laws that may or may not seem overtly racist, but ultimately cause negative consequences for people of color. Bop quiz, what's the best way to make sure racist laws stay on the books and new rules aren't put into place? Ooh, I know, make it really difficult for people of color to vote. And that has a long history in America. After the Civil War, the 15th Amendment was ratified, making it illegal to deny a male citizen the right to vote based on race. But that didn't stop election officials from falsely telling black voters they'd gotten the date wrong or that they were in the wrong polling place. Other voters were told they had to pass a literacy test first. Some were even forced to recite the entire Constitution, Really? Who can do that without Google? Fast forward to the civil rights movement in the 1960s. After the violent attack by state troopers on peaceful activists protesting in Selma, Alabama, the Voting Rights Act of 1965 was passed, which explicitly made voter discrimination illegal. Because of the act, turnout of black voters increased tremendously. Of course, not everyone was happy about this. Some states took issue with section five of the Voting Rights Act, which required states with a history of voter discrimination to seek federal approval before making changes to voter laws. This was basically the federal government's way of looking at states who've been shady towards voters in the past and letting them know we see you. But in 2013, in the case of Shelby County versus Holder, lawmakers argued enough time had passed that it was no longer fair to make these states undergo the extra approval because, you know, racism is over. The Supreme Court agreed. So after Shelby v. Holder, states like Alabama were free to change election laws without approval from the Justice Department. And many of them took advantage of this to create the voter ID laws we see today. Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg, who dissented from the decision, said, throwing out preclearance when it has worked and is continuing to work to stop discriminatory changes is like throwing away your umbrella in a rainstorm because you are not getting wet. And when it comes to racism, it's still raining a lot. So why does all this matter? Well, beyond ensuring every American has the right to vote, the key to ending structural racism is by replacing it with a better structure. It isn't just about people changing their racist behaviors, although that's certainly part of it. It's also about reassessing the way those behaviors get written into the very laws on which our country stands. And if you're not sure what you need to do to vote in your state, our friends John and Hank Green put together a great YouTube channel called How to Vote in Every State. You should also check out MTV's electthis.com to learn more about the election. We'll put links to both sites in the description box so you can make sure your voice is heard this November. Thanks for watching, we'll see you next time right here on Decoded.
0: Francesca Ramsey, I guess you gotta be called Francesca to have a show like that. Okay we had uh, Jack Kerouac and his uh, October and the Railroad Earth. And uh, a beautiful poem about working in San Francisco in the, in the 1950s, sort of a, a footloose young man, you know, the working life, working class history. October 20th 1926 the death of American socialist and labor leader Eugene Debs one of the labor cards he helped found both the American railway union and the industrial workers of the world was jailed in 1919 for opposing world war one He received nearly a million votes while in prison when he ran for president. Working class history. On this day, October 19, 1915, Jewish baseball player, longshoreman, oil worker, and communist Sam Nahum was born in New York to Syrian migrant parents. He became a professional pitcher in 1938 played for the Dodgers the Cardinals and the Phillies volunteered for military service in World War II supported racial integration in baseball and he was blacklisted during the McCarthy years resigned from the Communist Party after the Soviet invasion of Hungary became an active workplace militant leading a historic strike of Chevron Chemical and getting involved in the Standard Oil Strike in Richmond. He remained a committed socialist until his death in 2004. On this day, October 19, 1920, Sylvia Pankhurst was arrested and charged. Of attempting to raise sedition in the Navy by editing and publishing two articles in the October 16th issue of the Workers' Dreadnought. Discontent on the Lower Deck, which was based on a letter from a young Navy rating called Springhill and published under the pseudonym of Gunner. Sylvia Pankhurst. She organized a successful boycott of the SS Jolly George. On this day in October 19, 1920, the Korean independence movement wiped out an entire division of the Japanese army commanded by an anarchist general, Kim Joa-jin. Wherever you go, whenever you are, you're never alone when you stand up. One more thing, and then let's get out of here. California voters are being bombarded with slick TV commercials pushing Prop 11. This is from Peter Shapiro. Almost nothing in these ads is true. They claim the measure will promote public safety by allowing EMTs to respond to calls on their meal breaks. In point of fact, they already do. So what this would do would be to require them to work through their breaks. The EMTs union does not have the resources to air fancy TV commercials. They're counting on us to help them get the, jo- the truth out. Come to San Francisco City Hall, 8 a.m. on Tuesday, October 30th. They're leafleting during commute hours at BART stations around the Bay Area through October. All right. Time for us to get out of here. And, um,. This is the B, and it's time to sign off. Remember, if one person gets a dollar they didn't work for, someone else worked for a dollar they didn't get. Remember, if you don't have a seat at the table, the negotiating table, that is, you're probably on the menu. And never but never let anyone into your heart it who is not a
15: to
0: This also is a the B happy birthday vita.
15: It requires a lot of different facts of life
0: that Call you out you must to. know. Hello about. Solina. Hello Sylvia. Hello everyone. And when you think about 271, you know who you
15: are. The various nations of the earth.
0: Happy birthday, brother Charlie. Got to talk to you next week about a great movies. movie called Collisions. The
15: various nationalities, the various area. people all over the world it don't make sense. We, we have, have been able to make head. anything that we want to make and do anything we want to do, have created miracles. But it don't make sense when we can't make peace.
0: Bye-bye to Earl.
15: You know, you made everything else. Wise men, great men, from every nation in the world, all the countries in the world, have all kinds of conventions and festivals. Spend all the money. Suppose you had to spend half as much money on trying to make peace as you have in making war wouldn't have to worry about nothing. But it don't make sense. It don't make sense. It don't make sense when you can't make peace.
8: the Internet Ocean has to offer you. I bet my peg leg on it, or I ain't scurvy shit-faced McRat. No! <laughs>
5: Excellent mix of jazz, Latin, gospel, hip hop, and traditional folk ballads. Great stuff. Check it out. Labor and Love is every Saturday, 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. Serve somebody.
3: Hey, comedy fans, don't miss Comedy Day Sunday, September 16th at Robin Williams Meadow in Golden Gate Park. Noon till 5. It's free! You'll see 44 or more comedians. 44 comedians, 5 hours. That's over eight and a half comedians an hour. That's silly. Ever see a half a comedian? Yes, a half-wit. Not funny, but Comedy Day will be a guaranteed laugh a minute. Let's see, a laugh a minute times 5 hours. That's 300 jokes. That's a lot of jokes, folks. <laughs> So why are these people laughing? I don't know. Maybe because they know Comedy Day will be better than the shoelaces of Madagascar exhibit. Better than the paperweight weighers of the world convention. Better even than the alien sheep herding contest. And speaking of herding, heard any good ones lately? Okay, not funny again, but Comedy Day will be. Don't miss punchlines like these. A frog in a blender. In your hat. To keep his pants up. Comedy Day is worth the price of admission because it's free. Nothing to buy. No operators waiting for your call. Void. We're prohibited by law. Comedy Day. Sunday, September 16th at Robin Williams. Williams. Williams Medal in Golden Gate Park. It's free. Visit comedyday.org for complete details.
9: 81 21st Street in the Deep Mission at 21st in Florida. Contact Pam at pamsidai at hotmail.com for more options and booking dates. Incredible socialist prices so you can be creative in a free speech space without breaking the bank. That's Mutiny Radio Rentals every Thursday, Saturday and Sunday from 8 to 10. Book your event now.
3: Trying to hurt me, but boy how it burns me whenever she touched me. And you know, I feel so lucky. Oh.
8: That's what I'm saying. It's the Joke Workshop Mondays, 6 to 8 p.m. at the Mutant Radius. Yahoo!
12: 499
10: a lot about sex you're a dirty boy I'm disgusting <laughs> like, you like to keep it dirty I could see and he d- he did get papooses. I did to make it even dirtier and fat too you fat it's dirty weird, boy it's weird because these
15: tamales are kind of wet and I was like what the fuck is this
10: they got some bomb ass so. tamales where I live out in the sticks like they're $1.50 and they're hella huge oh she put
15: hella shit hella slaw on them okay I'll try it on there.
10: yeah they be putting hella slaw okay Mexicans be thinking we like pickled fucking everything nah that's, like, that's, that's just that's, not that's their culture though now, right I know I if love you like
15: it. it I love it right. I'll try it I'll try it I probably it. won't I keep like doing the, it though I
10: like the pickled carrots not yeah, the pickled the, jalapeno
15: yeah that jalapeno shit is too it's spicy it's too spicy I'm not yeah. my old the digestion system made the same
10: it's exactly why the Pepto-Bismol has the burning ring of fire song on it
6: because <laughs> <laughs>